0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg. Another episode of Flick City. I have two interviews for this one, so this was this will be a very quick installment. Now the thing is, even though it is a quick installment, very like each interview is about ten minutes. They're both very good movies. They're both alternate choices that you can have, or maybe add on to your movie choices this weekend with Nope or Thor or whatever. Maybe the Black Phone, whatever movie you're going to see this weekend. The two movies I'm spotlighting for the interviews this. For this episode, are number one, a Korean film called The Killer. I interview Jang Hyuk. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And he is an international star, best known for the movies The Swordsman. Let me look at what well, I haven't seen The Swordsman. Actually, towards the end of the interview, he recommended that his fans, or if you enjoy The Killer, go watch The Swordsman. And he was very proud of that movie. Also, other credits for Jang Hyuk include Disney Plus's Bloody Heart, Tomb of the River, Windstruck, and Volcano High here in The Killer. It's based on a believe a web graphic novel. Okay. And he plays a retired, well, a retired hitman and who lives yeah, he has a nice house and he's just hanging out. His girlfriend, who he's very dedicated to, she decides to go on a trip to this really beautiful island called called Jeju Jeju Island. And she's gone for a while. While she's gone though, she's asking him. This former hitman to take care of her friend's daughter to pretty much be her nanny while she's out. Sorry for the bump while she's vacationing in Jeju Island. So he's not really good with kids. His, the, the young girl is, she's not that young. She's 17 years old and this, this girl ends up being a problem, not through her own fault, but through a series of, I get, I guess it's kind of like a falling, falling dominoes kind of thing. She ends up. Just attracting a whole bunch of crazies and killers, other killers other than the the titular character. And there's a criminal syndicate out there. There's just maybe corrupt officers, corrupt lawmen. It is an action-packed, entertainment-filled film. And yeah, it's if you love Korean films, if you really dig action movies. The Killer is the way to go. Hopefully it's playing on in your local in your local town, city, etc. Give this one a shot. Now, don't listen to me all the time. I actually don't listen to me any of the time. Let me give you some backup facts for this. For Run Tomatoes, as we speak, as I speak right now, it has 8 reviews from critics, 63%. Now, for the audience rating, it's 95%, which is, it says fewer than 50 ratings, but you can see the disparity here. 63% for critics, 95% for those people who've seen this movie. I really enjoyed this. This is, for me, a four-star film. I know I'm four-star, Greg, but this is just an entertaining, fun film. And Jang Hyuk, I, after watching The Killer, I want to watch more of his movies, he, he's a really good interview. The interview is translated, so you're going to get a little bit of translation here and for the ten minutes. But he has some really interesting things to say. He also talks about a couple of his favorite movies, etc. Okay, the second interview is with Brienne Chu. She was raised here in Los Angeles. She is really young, a really young actress, and she's very promising. She, I think she uh, she starred recently in a movie called Unhuman, which I haven't seen. I believe it it's a Paramount release, or it might be on Paramount Plus on digital. So. I missed out on that one, haven't? I think it's a zombie film. Bruce and Eric sod and they actually have a review on our sister podcast, Find Your Film. They were not big fans of that movie, okay, of Unhuman. I don't know. So let me look up, you know, I should look up the, the ratings for Unhuman in a second. Sorry for the stream of consciousness. Unhuman released this year. Brianchu is the, I am going, by the way, after this interview with Brienne Chu, I am heavily invested in her as an actor. So I'm going to watch this movie even Though it has a tomato meter of 53% from the critics, audience score 38%. Now, even if this movie doesn't work for me, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to see Unhuman when I have the shot, hopefully within the next month. It's just because from watching her for this movie that I interviewed her for, this movie that she's in is called Gone in the Night. She's fantastic. She. Is, I don't want to really say too much about this movie. We review it at the Find Your Film podcast. I'll probably mention it as well. We also do a spoiler review mini episode on what happens at the end of God in the Night and we're going to post that on a podcast feed later on as well. So, very interesting film. She plays a young woman in God in the Night who with her boyfriend Owen Teague, she happens she she's not one of the main characters, but she's one of four wait, one of five important people in this movie and it centers on Winona Ryder. She takes her she is middle-aged like me in her in her early 50s. And she takes her younger boyfriend, played by John Gallagher Jr. They go out on a weekend trip to a remote cabin and Brianne Chu and her plays this uh, mysterious woman who has a boyfriend, played by Owen Teague. They, they believe that they're the, they're the ones who have the timeshare for the weekend. There's a little bit of an argument, but the, the uh, younger couple let the older couple in for the night. So everyone's having a good game. They play uh, some kind of really interesting board game that centers on sex and relationships. I forgot what the name of the, what the game, I think it's called Pillow Talkers, but I forgot specific, specifically the name of the board game. What happens in the morning is Winona Ryder wakes up only to find her boyfriend, played by John Gallagher Jr. Sorry for that. I just cracked my knuckle. She, he's gone. He's completely gone. So the rest of the movie centers on Winona Ryder trying to find, I believe she plays a character named Kath, I believe. Let me look it up right now. But yeah, Winona Ryder essentially for the rest of the movie tries to find, tries to find, figure out why did her boyfriend leave her? And supposedly, she was told by Owen Teague's character that she left her because, well, I don't want to get into it. I don't want. I, I think it's actually in the trailer, but I'm not going to get into why. Supposedly he left. Yeah, her name's Cath. Winona Ryder plays Kath. Let's call it Kath. So Kath, she's she spends the rest of the movie trying to find out what happened to her BF, or actually her ex BF. Max. Okay, and then Brianne Chu might be on IMDb. Doesn't say what her name is. She's just—I'm just, just going to call her mysterious young woman. And Owen Teague, her boyfriend in the movie, it just goes. There's no name for him too. I don't want to really delve into how they, how they're part of the bigger equation regarding the disappearance of Max. But let's just say it's really interesting the twist in Gone of the Night. I really appreciate appreciate appreciated this movie. Now, what do they have in common? The killer and Gone of the Night. They're both they, they're both made in well-worn genres. Gone of the Night is a thriller. So you're expecting for this movie to have its certain tropes to fulfill various needs of whoever watches this, the cinephiles. And also The Killer is supposed to hopefully satisfy various action tropes as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're just trying to go by the book. But The Killer has a really nice comedic hybrid to it. I think the the, um, the lead performance by Jang Hyuk and the co star in the movie she's very very good as well. I mean, let me look it up the yeah Lee So Young, Lee So Young, and she's very very good as well. It really stood out for me. Okay, so it hit theaters actually in July, on July thirteenth. I am recording this right now, July twenty second. So I'm a bit late on my coverage of The Killer. Now, as far as Gun in the Night, this may this movie may disappoint some people. In fact. Regarding Gone in the Night's Rotten Tomato score, it has a tomato meter from critics as as 47%. Audience score is 52%. I'm one of the 52% who really dig this movie. In fact, I loved it because it's a thriller. If you watch the trailer, you're going to be scared. The movie is scary at one important juncture, but overall, it's sort of a, I don't know, a meditation or an... An examination on what it's like to get older or what it's like to not connect with previous generations or future generations. It's the age gap that people feel with each other when they're trying to talk to to one another as Hey, I'm older. I'm, fi- I'm a 50 year old Asian man, or or hey, and you're only a 20 year old Asian male, or you're a 30 year old white woman. It's just these people, different mixes, most importantly, different generation gaps, and it's a really interesting examination of that via the thriller experience. Okay, and then again, some people may check out regarding what the twist is. I loved it even more. This again is is a four star recommendation for me, but again, the caveat is, if you're looking for a straight-ahead Hitchcockian, scary, tense, pulse-pounding thriller, you're going to get maybe a couple of moments here, but if you are if you really love Winona Ryder, Dermot Moroni, they have a lot of scenes together where Dermot Moroni is the owner of the cabin, and he's, he helps her try to find her ex-boyfriend, Max, okay? There are some really cool scenes with them together, And, yeah, and I interviewed John Gallagher Jr., and he, he, as he pointed out, Dermot Maroney and Winona Ryder started together over 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, in the, I think it's 1996 or 1997 movie, How to Make an, an American Quilt. A movie, by the way, which I did the press junket, and I completely don't remember anything about that, about, I remember watching the movie at Universal Studios on the lot, but I don't remember the junket, but I remember interviewing the director I believe her name is Jocelyn Morehouse. All of this is, and I don't even remember if I interviewed Ryder or Dermot that day. But, anyways, they're, I'm name dropping it again. I apologize. But Dermot and Winona are very good in this movie because they have a lot of screen time. Screen time together, and it's great to see them work together. Now, going back to Brian Chu, she's really good in this movie. She just, amidst all the veterans, she really pops out as because of her character. Her character is a very strong-willed character, and I liked where her arc goes towards the end of the film. Now, specifically on a personal note, personal note, the interview with Brianchu only about seven or eight minutes because I was at the Chumash Casino, the Wi-Fi was horrible, and I couldn't get on video. I got on video, but it was a lag. So the only way the interview is going to survive is via audio form. And this one this one, really kind of hit home for me because when I asked her what her, one of her favorite movies is and sorry for spoiling this, she says she's got to go with the director and actually not many actors or directors. I think she's the first one out of the maybe couple of hundred people I've asked this question to. She said she's not going to pick a film. She's going to pick a director. So I would, I really, me as a director first cinephile, I thoroughly by, by, and biasly in her corner. That's number one. Number two, what upscaled my appreciation of her as a person mm-hmm. is she mentioned the Films of Wong Kar Wai. And if you, don't know, if you don't know who Wong Kar Wai is, check out the movies Chunking Express, In the Mood for Love, 2046 or 2046, however you want to call it. I love this movie that's underrated called The Grand Master. And just, I really love Wong Kar Wai. There's a lot of people in our Cinematics Facebook group, uh, too, as I believe. Member Matt Stillman is a fan as well. But there's just a lot of people out there who love Wong Kar Wai. Now, what does this have to do with this whole thing? He has, Wonka Y has a very special way with his DP. I forgot what the name of his DP is. He's frequently worked with him a lot over the years, but the, especially in, in the mood for love, it, the camera just lingers in slow motion takes and it's, the music's really beautiful. It's a very sensual and lush movie about heartache and one of my all time favorite movies. And I'm so glad she mentioned in the mood for love. Now, regarding representation in cinema, I asked her during the interview about the importance of being a minority and actually having a prominent role within a narrative, especially a, a one, one that is cinema-based, and she answers that question, and, and you, you, I'm not going to pra- paraphrase for her, so you, you can listen to the interview, but for me, it's great to see that after 30 plus years of doing this, to A, actually interview an Asian American actress, which is probably, I get to do that maybe 1 or 2% of the time. It's, i'm sure it's changing it's changing a lot it's a lot better now to, in 2022 than it was in 1990 so we talk about a little bit about minority representation in the in the very brief interview and going back to in the mood for love look i'd like to say i'm an independent thinker that movies don't influence my brain but yes like many people i'm well you know what i'm not going to throw humanity on the bus but just for me movies have really influenced me as a person since uh, before maybe even 42 out of my 50 years and in the mood for love was the first time when it was released. I forgot when it was released. I think maybe in the early aughts, but yeah, for the first 30 years of my life, this is too much information. And you, you probably, sorry for the typing. You probably don't don't even want to hear this, but for the first 30 years of my life, I actually didn't date Asian women because I saw them, you know, when you're growing up in Asian American or asian household you th- you have a very big respect for your family your siblings i know that's a universal thing but within the asian community very very tight knit family and i would always whenever i'd see a woman i would associate that with my sister or my mother so i never i never would actually look at a woman as a romantic or a sexual attraction type interest until I saw In the Mood for Love, which stars Maggie Chung and Tony Leung, who who actually Brian Chu mentions in the interview as well. So first of all, Gun The Night, The Killer, all really good films. That said, not for nothing. If you want to see a classic film, go check out In the Mood for Love. I'm sure it's streaming in on the Criterion Collection. Beautiful, beautiful movie. But that movie changed the way I look at Asian Women, it basically broadened my canvas on who I wanted to date. Obviously, on the other side, I'm sure there there needs to be women to actually want to date me on the on the on the flip side as well. So there takes two to tango. But it's just a very influential movie, movie for me. And dovetailing dovetailing that the importance of having for me the importance of having minorities in cinema and representation. And as Brienne says, not just representation, but actually have them play fully fleshed characters within the framework of the story, that is, and making the story convincing, it's important because people, so there are people like me who, sorry for that, that's the table, there are people like me who get influenced by stuff that they see on the screen, okay, smarter and better people than me too, so that's it, I'm going to start, it's a 15-minute intro and I apologize for that, here are my interviews with the killer actor, Jang Hyuk, and Oh gosh, I'm looking at the picture of "In the Mood for Love." I really want to see that right now. But I'm g- yes, "Gone in the Night." Really good movie. Both "Gone in the Night," "The Killer." They're in theaters this weekend. And secondly, my interview with Brian Chu will be right after that as well. For "Gone in the Night," take care, guys. Sorry for the long intro. Love y'all. Bye. Hello,
1: hello.
0: Oh, hello. I can hear you right now. I can hear hello. you. Right no, now. Okay. okay. Perfect.
2: Perfect. 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 Okay. Yeah. My, nice. Pleasure
0: <laughs> to, to meet you. The only words I know is Annyeonghaseyo, so. I do not Okay. So uh, first question is, um, thanks for your patience, but what is the key to actually perfecting the fight choreography for The Killer? Because th- there's so many collaborators, there's so many situations, it just seems from the outside looking in so intimidating. What was the key for you to making it so successful?
1: The Killer에서 그 액션 퍼포먼스를 하실 때 가장, 가장 중요한 거, 그것을 잘 이렇게 퍼포먼스를 할수 있었던 가장 중요한 부분이 어떤 걸까요? 제가 영화를 보면 같이 액션 하시는 분들도 되게 많고, 상황도 되게 여러가지고, 저희가 봤을 때는 되게 막 위협적으로 느껴질 수 있는 그런 상황인데, 가장 중요한 건 뭐였을까요?
2: 일단, 여러 가지 퍼포먼스에 영화 안에서의 대한 구성의 다름을 좀 표현해야 되는 게 가장 중요했었고.
1: For us, the most important part was varying the different performances and different locations, making it very diverse.
2: 마치 안무의 어떤 춤을 보여주듯이 거기에 어떤 남타와 같은 시 같은 소리를 좀 같이 집어넣을 수 있는지를 통해서.
1: Almost as though that the action scenes are like uh, choreographies and dances, and we try to incorporate those uh, drum performances called nanta, and we try to use different weapons and we try to incorporate the sounds and adapt those uh, gun sounds and different sounds of the weapons as like a rhythm. So incorporating all of that was a key.
2: 가장 중요한 부분은. 스트레이트 액션이다 보니까 그게 끊이지 않았어야 하는 부분과 굉장히 캐릭터는 건조해야 되는 느낌을 좀 많이 표현하려고 했었던 것 같습니다.
1: Another key was the action had to be straight, so there was no pause between different um, actions. So just go from start to finish, nonstop action. So that's another key.
2: 이게 하나의 저희 레퍼런스에 대한 시기였던 느낌이 뭐였냐면 노인을 위한 나라의 어떤 그 킬러가
1: and um, I had to show no emotion when I'm acting those action scenes. So one thing that we referenced was the, the character in No Country for Old Man. So what if he was in this movie? So that was my reference.
0: During production, are you able to actually... Take a break and relax because after a hard day of shooting, I'm sure your body is just beaten up. How do you get the energy to shoot for the next day and then the next day? What's how do you do that? Um,
1: mm-hmm. 이거 영화 만드시는 mm-hmm. 동안 shooting 하시고 하루 하시고 나면은 너무 노출이 될것 같은 같거든요. 어떻게 쉬셨고 다음 날또또 연기를 하셔야 되니까 어떻게 하루를 마치셨는지.
2: 액션 디자인을 같이 해서 이렇게 합을 같이 촬영을 하다 보니까 아무래도 그런 트레이닝을 좀 많이 했었었고.
1: Because I have to work with so many different actors in the scenes, we did a lot of training beforehand.
2: 그리고 아무래도 이제 전문적으로 이 일을 20년 넘게 그 액션 그런 부분에 대한 것들을 실제 해왔기 때문에.
1: Because I've been working over 20 years in action films.
2: 그래서 이제 그 컨디션을 어떻게 해야 되는지를 좀잘 조절을 할수 있는 것들은 있는 것 같습니다.
1: I think I'm able to control my conditions. 좀 구체적인 예가 있을까요?
2: 그냥 뭐잘 자고
1: Sleeping well 잘 먹고 Eating well 운동 잘하고 Exercise much 그렇지. That's it? <웃음>
0: <laughs> I, I, I really, I really love this film uh, on an action and story level, but I also appreciated how the idea of uh, how human trafficking was an element to the movie. Can you just talk about that? Was that one of the reasons why you took on this movie? Because it is entertainment, entertainment, but it really uh, approaches a very serious issue as well, which I appreciated.
1: 저는 이 영화를 정말 재밌게 봤는데, 액션이랑 스토리 측면에 있어서 뿐만 아니라, 그런, 그걸 뭐라 그랬죠? 사람들 납치하고 아, 그런 네, 거 있잖아요. 네, 네, 네. 그런 면에 있어서, 그런 것, 어, 뭐, 영화는 당연히 엔터테인먼트지만, 그런 납치라는 그런 사회적인 이슈를 다루고 있는데, Uh, Okay, what was your question, Greg, the the human trafficking?
0: Oh, yeah, how how that was also an important element of the the plot. Mm -hmm. And can you just talk about, you know, was that another reason why, you know, you wanted to do the movie? Because I thought it was really cool that it was a big part of the story. 이런
1: 사회적인 심각한 문제를 다루고 있는 영화라서 혹시 그런 면도 이 영화를 찍으려고 결정하신 부분이 되었는지, 그리고 이런 사람들 납치하고 그런 거 그런 것에 대해서는 어떻게 생각을 하시는지요?
2: 아무래도 그런 부분의 사회적 문제도 분명히 있고.
1: Yes, uh, human trafficking is a serious social issue. 누군가가
2: 그런 것들을 뭔가 좀 긍정해 줄수 있는 시각적인 느낌의 액션이라고 한다면은
1: that and we try to be like the police, quote unquote, of these uh, human traffickers.
2: That that
1: there is some relief that the audience could feel from being uh, conquerors of these human traffickers.
2: 그래서 의강이라는 인물이 실제 그런 사람들에 대한 시켰던 것들을 뭔가 해결해 줘가는 시련 느낌이 훨씬 더 재밌을 구성일 것 같아서.
1: Yes, so when we were developing the character Egan, we did take a uh, take um take it seriously. He could be someone who could go out there and fight for justice and just um just wipe out well uh, human traffickers. 그래서
2: 그런 스토리가 있는 그웹 노블을 선택해서 이렇게 그 작품을 만든 것 같습니다
1: so that's why we did, uh, we adapted this a novel online web novel based on this movie that's why we adapted the story because that story has this um, content
0: uh, my final my final two questions are movie related my first question is um right off the top of your head can you name one of your all-time favorite movies and what is it about this movie that's very special for you
1: 아, 마지막으로 두개 정도 영화와 관련된 질문이 있는데요. 지금 머릿속에서 좀 가장 감명 깊게 보셨던 영화 옛날 영화 같은 거 기억나는 거 혹시 있으시면 얘기해 주세요.
0: 어, 옛날 영화.
1: Yeah, you say old time movies, right? All,
0: yeah, old time movies. Yes, thank you. All time like favorite movies. Yeah.
1: 어, 지금까지 봤던 것 중에서 가장 감명 깊게 본 영화 생각나는 게 있다면
0: 로키 앤 카파더. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Rocky, this is Rocky yeah, and yeah. Godfather.
0: And and why are they? Why do you love them so much?
1: Uh, just in general. Who 영화가 왜 좋으세요?
2: Rocky는 그 제작 과정이나 이런 부분의 스토리가 너무
1: 좋아. I Rocky, I love the story. How the story is portrayed in the movie.
2: 그게 70년대 배경이 어떤 그런 상황에 대한 시렸던 영화여서 너무 좋아.
1: It was based in the 1970s. I thought the story came alive so well in that movie.
2: 왜냐하면 그전에 챔프라는 영화가 있었는데.
1: Because there was a movie called Champ before that.
2: 그 챔프라는 영화 역시 너무나 좋은 영화지만.
1: Champ was a great movie too.
2: 끝내는 그 인간 승리를 그렸다고 한다면.
1: Champ was portraying the human victory in the movie.
2: 로키라고 하는 작품은. Rocky. 인간이 가지고 있는 그런 부분에 가슴에 터칭을 주는 작품인 것.
1: 같습니다. I think it spoke to our hearts.
2: 그래서 결과론적으로 무승부를 했는데.
1: Um, in the end, there
2: was it was a tie. I thought
1: it was more it appeal to a greater audience. I think.
2: 그 당시 하는 지금의 대배우가
1: uh, so now a greatest uh, one of the greatest actors, Sylvester
2: Stallone. 너무나 느껴졌다.
1: And I can feel his desperation in the movie.
2: 어떤 영화 중에 하나였고
1: That's why that is one of my favorite movies.
2: 영화는. Uh, Godfather
1: I could feel the manhood in the
2: movie
1: so off the top of my head, these two movies um I think I will pick as my favorite movies
0: and and final question, let's say someone sees uh when someone sees uh your film, The killer, and they really love it. What would you suggest from your own body of work, what's the next film that you would recommend from your own resume for them to watch and why?
1: Um, 광, 광, 장영님의 The Killer라는 영화를 보고 어, 사람들이 어, 장영 어, 영화를 더 보고 싶다 한다면 그동안 하셨던 portfolio 중에서 장영님의 어떤 영화를 그러면은 킬러 보신다면 한 이거를 봐보세요 라고 추천하고 싶으신가요?
2: 하나는 영화고 하나는 드라마
1: I have one movie of mine and one drama that I had.
2: 어, 검객, swordman.
1: A swordman.
2: 영화고.
1: It's uh, one of my movies. I want my audiences to watch that one after the killer.
2: 그다음에 드라마는.
1: The drama is called
2: 추노라고 하는 드라마. 추모? 추노라고 하고, Slave Hunter.
1: Slave Hunter? Slave Hunter it's called.
2: 보시면, 아, 좀, 좀 mm-hmm.
1: And you will get to see what kind of actor I am by watching these two movie and a drama. So it's called Swordman and Slave Hunter. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for your time. I love your, your love your movie and 감사합니다. Ah,
2: 감사합니다. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: We should take a little trip, just the two of us.
2: That does sound kind of nice. How'd you
3: even find this place?
2: I thought that you would like it.
3: Why is there another car here? We booked a cabin for the weekend.
4: It's already dark. There aren't any hotels for like 100 miles. You can stay. This is like the inside of your brain. Everything all old school. Dude, the game for lovers. (laughs)
1: I'm going to turn in.
0: (laughs) Max? Max! They're gone.
1: Come on, you're not even the least bit curious? About what? Who is this woman?
2: What's he see in her...
0: I rented your cabin. I need the contact info for one of your guests. So
4: you want to call
0: her? No, I need to find her.
4: Can't do a stakeout without a partner.
0: That's her. Where the hell is she going? Oh, Jesus. I'm glad to see you. Ready?
3: this are predictable when they want something they'll do whatever it takes I god he left me <laughs>
0: recording right now. Hi, Brianne. How are you? Good. How are you? First off, I really love this film. Really love Gone in the Night. And I actually, yeah, great. Great. I actually really love this film. And can you talk about, I, I asked Eli Horowitz about the movie that some people will really love it. Some people will not dig it. It's one of those divisive movies. And I really dug dug it. Is that one of the reasons why you wanted to be part of the project? Because it's a very specific story and, and very singular in, in its vision.
3: Absolutely. And I really commend Eli for being so specific because I think it, I think sometimes, uh, creatively, especially because we're so oversaturated with content on all these streaming platforms and stuff, it's, it's people want to do what's broad, you know, what can appeal to more people. And what I really like is art that, you know, isn't meant to please everybody. And in my only please, uh, like, a smaller group of people, but they will love it. You know, it'll be very, very satisfying for them and they can be passionate about it. And it's like, you know, one of those kind of like culty films is how I kind of like to describe this movie. And um, yeah, the people that love it really love it. And the people that don't, you know, fine by me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. And just for you, just what was it like just working with some, with Dermot Moroni and Winona Ryder and just Owen? Just It's such a great cast. And I'm sure even before embarking on the project, you were a fan of Eli's work with Homecoming and his on the podcast space. So did you just learn a lot on your journey in general with this movie?
3: I really did. I mean, I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to work with so many people. Like when I tell you Every person on this film, Eli, I was a fan of Homecoming. And I had also listened to the podcast before watching it. And then Winona, obviously iconic. I grew up watching her, one of my favorite actresses of all time. Dermot, my best friend's wedding. (laughs) And then so many of the great, like recurring roles he plays on like New Girl and Friends. And then I really loved what John Gallagher Jr. did in Short Term 12. And then Owen in It. And so I'm like, you know, in Black Mirror as well. So I just, I had watched these people. I was, I admired all of them. They inspire me. And then then all of a sudden fall into this opportunity where I get to work with them was so surreal. And I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, I learned a lot in the process working with them. And I had the best possible experience.
0: In my 30 years, I've interviewed probably... 20 to 30, maybe 50 Asian American actors and artists, as opposed to interviewing thousands of people. I mean, it's different from the 1990s, but do you see it opening up for Asian American actors? Are you aware of that space? Or is it the fact that doors are so open that it's something that you don't even think about? or only old people like me think about, you know, no, so. no.
3: I, I know what you're saying. And I completely think about it. It's uh, kind of been a fact of my life that I haven't been able to run away from, which I think any person in a marginalized group can understand. It is a fact of um the world you live in and how you're perceived and the opportunities that it allows you or disallows you, you know? And so I've been acting since I was really young, since I was eight years old. And I, you know, I always auditioned for the friend or, you know, the sassy neighbor or the really smart girl. And, you know, I, I, I basically I kind of knew how to play all the tropes that were considered for Asian women and or girls because I was very young at the time. And I thought, oh, OK, well, that's I had no qualms with that because I thought that's just the way the world is. And as I got older, I started realizing I don't want to just play those roles and I don't want to subject myself to just portraying these tropes, especially because I think it's harmful for our community. And I've seen the industry change. I've seen my career change and doors are opening and I think it's great. And I think women like Michelle Yeoh and Sandra Oh, you know, have really paved the way for us, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, I think what we need to focus on is not just... Diversity. We're, we're not throwing people of color in there just to check a box. It should be about representation. It should be about doing a, a true service for people who have lived that life and allowing them to feel reflected in the movies and television that they watch in a way that feels genuine and nuanced. And I think that way people who also haven't lived that life can be exposed to it, you know, and that so that they can have a new perspective And we can humanize one another. And yeah, I mean, that's, I can talk about this for forever, but I do see the industry changing and I'm, I feel happy to be a part of it.
0: Anyway, so my final question to you is I actually kind of creeped on your Instagram to see who you followed and I just, you follow Criterion Collection. I'm a huge cinephile, so my question, uh, so props to you, just for what you're doing for the Asian American community, but more selfishly for me. So glad you're a big movie freak. So on on top of that, can you can you name one of your all time favorite movies right off the top of your head? And what is it about this film that that means a lot to you?
3: Okay, I guess this is a bit of a cop out, right? Because I'm going to name a director, but I love Wong Kar Wai. Okay, and. Cool. I just, I mean, Chungking Express is one of my favorites. In the Mood for Love. I just watched Fallen Angels. I mean, I'm re- I'm really getting through every single one. No, I also just watched 2046. Um, But I just love those. I mean, I think he's obviously very talented, and there's something so raw and interesting and dynamic about his films. Tony Leung, best actor of all time, in my opinion. Huh. And also, yeah. Yeah. I just, to see these really interesting characters all being portrayed by Asian actors, it has opened me up in a way yeah. that um is really like I I just have embraced who I am as a person so much more because of of watching those films.
0: Yeah and before we go, just I mean this is absolutely TMI, but when I you know I, I'm so influenced by films when the first time I saw In the Mood for Love, it really changed the way me as an Asian American saw us on the screen you could actually see people in a romantic sensual heartbreaking way yes. that, right that yes. we that exactly. we've never been you know in yeah
3: yeah 100
0: so yeah I did, all
3: those roles those movies were only for white people <laughs> you know because that is kind of the narrative that yep. was brought up since i was a kid and so to see that like yeah no, not reserved only for them we all fall in love we all have these like connections and passions uh Anyway, but yes. Yeah, so I, totally yeah.
0: I don't mind being a model minority, just as long as you know that there are layers to us, there are levels.
3: Yes, <laughs> <So>. exactly. <laughs>
0: Ryan, thank you so much for time again. Honestly, really love the film, and good wow. luck moving forward. Looking forward to to interviewing you down the road. Really thank pr- you appreciate so much.
3: it. Really appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg. I'm actually adding this, and if we editing this and adding this to the this Flixity episode after this Brian Chu interview, which you just heard, I'm adding a very quick review of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris from Anderson Cowan, our, our buddy, our North Star from Cinematics. We just finished, completed, we completed a Patreon episode this month of 1956. Anderson chose the film The Bad Seed. I chose, unwisely, unfair. I, I chose this movie called Friendly Persuasion, which stars Gary Cooper. The Bad Seed is a very interesting movie so hopefully if if you are a subscriber to our Patreon feed if you're a supporter you'll get to listen to our takes on Friendly Persuasion and The Bad Seed but after we we were done recording Anderson had to do a do an episode with Bob Bryan for the film vault, but the good thing is we were able to, I was able to grab him for about five to seven minutes, or actually five to six minutes, and he gives a review of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Whenever I, I get to Zoom with him or see him in person, we're going to get a couple of these Anderson extra little tidbits to tag on to these Flick City installments. So that's not it. So anyways, I'm going to shut up. Here is Anderson's take on Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, a movie that is one of my favorites of this year. Thank you guys. Bye. Anderson, hey Cinematics, feed. Somebody, what's up? Uh, yeah, very, very quickly. This weekend, what should people watch? Any, any quick recommendations? Uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, top five film for me. I, I got emotional. I love it of so much. Of the year, of the year, five is going to be a top, maybe a top five, top ten. July. Mrs. Don't stop, stop. Okay, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, top ten for me. I forced you to watch this movie. You haven't covered this on any of this, on any of your TFE or the After the Disaster. Please tell me at least baseline that you would at least recommend this
4: movie. I really, really liked the first two acts of this movie. I really enjoyed them, and it's very good. This is a movie that's not made for me. However, I absolutely responded to it. It's a beautiful movie. It's one of the most... Might be the most beautiful movie you'll see all year just because it's a period piece. What is that, mid-sex 60s? Yeah, uh, uh, 57,
0: 56, around that time. Yeah. Is it 57, 56? I I think think it's
4: 56 me, But maybe I don't know, although I know. It takes place uh, in London and then it takes place in Paris. And it's uh, the story of a a housekeeper, essentially. She's she's a working woman, Uh, she's a widow and she's lovable and and you're pulling for her and uh she comes across she works for you know miserable people for the most part who take her for granted and they're they're the haves and she's the have nots you got all that going on uh yeah, she's still not, nice I mean, she, she's still nice and likable yeah she and she doesn't she doesn't mind being taken advantage of and you would like her to take care of herself a little bit more but you're pulling for her and she, she's great she's look this movie is going to be up for i would imagine best actress in her yeah of course right leslie manville Leslie Manville will be up for Best Actor. Uh, I would imagine it's going to be up for Best Cinematography, Best Best Set Designs, Best Costumes, for sure. sure. So she comes across uh, one of her clients. She's uh, cleaning one of her clients' bedrooms, and she comes across the most... It's one of those moments where uh, this character just has absolute joy sparked in her mind when she lays her eyes on this dress. She's just like... Mm -hmm that is the most gorgeous thing I may have ever seen in my entire life. And this woman doesn't have a whole lot of pleasure in her life. So you're rooting for her. And she sees this dress and finds out that it costs 500 quid, which is just insane back then. Right. So it's, they never actually tell us how many months of pay that would be to her. I would have liked to have gotten a little better idea of just how much it was to her, but it was a lot to her. Somebody of her means should never even be uh, exploring the idea of getting a a dress uh, uh, of such a price. And then she decides, Hey, this is my, my journey. This is what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to go to Paris and get one of these Christian Dior dresses. And uh, she does, she goes to, she goes to Paris and uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, By the end of the movie, I was frustrated because it was gearing up to be like a, a four and a half, five-star movie for me. And it let me down. It did not stick to landing as you would say, Greg. And, and some of that was, just in the decisions that some of the characters made were not earned and there is not enough of a there's too much of a leap from being one way and then becoming another way and taking actions and doing things that i just did not accept as a as a viewer and that's Mm. that's unfortunate because i feel like they could have been addressed and fixed even in editing perhaps but uh for me it for me i it i don't know if you know what i'm talking about without getting the spoilers here but there's like a march in, there's like a follow me scene and I just didn't right. feel like she was that.
0: And oh, that yeah. God oh I I see it. Yes. Oh, okay. God. Yes. yes, a little bit of a Norman Ray kind of situation there going, Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. But I it's gonna be up for a multiple uh multiple awards and this is just a gorgeous, gorgeous movie. You would recommend this movie, though. Are you giving it maybe a three and a half or three stars or because of
4: what it's happened? a three and a half star movie, I'd say, uh, you know, cause it, just in the technical aspects alone. And like I said, you know, it, it's a period piece and it's a beautiful period piece. And, and the way the camera moves, the, the, some of the interesting things they do with her where they obviously have her on a dolly and they're moving her in. They're not doing the Hitchcock shot. They're actually bringing her in to kind of give you that idea. Of, uh, i think I, I talked to eric holmes briefly about it and he was trying to say it's like an amelie i don't quite see that i do see a lot of beautiful shots like amelie had but i would not say compare this to amelie amelie's in its own stratosphere as far as i'm concerned but uh there are people who love fashion who are going to like this a whole lot more than both you and i i know it's a five star banger for you greg but yes people who love fashion who are going to really love this movie You know what phantom I
0: mean? thread phantom thread and
4: mrs harris goes to paris good double no, this feature. is way way better for me, and goes down way smoother, and I'm not watching the clock. I'm Mrs. Harris going to Paris. But I'm just, well, I was just mentioning because of
0: Lensley Manville, Phantom Thread, and that, because of that connection between... Oh, yes,
4: yes, 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 yes. yes. I didn't make that connection to this very me-
0: moment, Craig. Yeah, see? She's, she, I saw Phantom Thread
4: twice in the theater.
0: Once in oh, 3D. Yeah, she's awesome in that movie. She got an Oscar nomination, buddy. So she's going to get...
4: She's so different. She's like, she's yeah. an actor, so she plays different characters. Anderson, yes, that's how it works. You don't have to... Yeah. So different. Yeah. You know, all right. Thank you, Anderson. Hey, very quickly. Yes, Craig. I haven't yeah, done my research. You see? see this, is is. What, this is what I get, because you. I haven't <laughs> yeah. done my research and taken my notes to talk about it properly. <laughs> yes. It's just kind of just like, a, ah. Okay. As we're leaving, anything else you want to say? We're, we're done. We're
0: done. Because you got to yeah, go. I don't like you looking know, stupid, and I would I'm have not, you twice, but then you're fine. Any, any other movie quick recommendation this week before we go? Any, nope. Season? Nope. Oh, nope. You, you saw it already. You saw Nope? Oh, I was nope. talking about the movie. I was just saying no. <laughs> okay. Guys, Anderson has to go. both ways, though. Yeah. Yeah, As in, no, I'd have to say nope twice. Nope. Okay, listen. Listen to the film vault next week. You're gonna hear what Bob Bryan and Anderson have to say about nope. Till then, we'll see you guys next time here on Cinematics. Anderson, get out of here. You gotta go. Yo. Through, go see. You gotta to go. Toodles.
4: See. Okay, doodles. toodles. I'm gonna to go say some dumb things on on film vault now. Toodles. Okay.